Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. Thank you, Justin. I just, uh, I love, I love the, uh, I love what our worship team does and how they do um, before every um, Sunday service, they meet together in the back room there and they, they discuss and pray over uh, this time together. And today, because we're taking the Lord's Supper, uh, we, we even have the Lord's Supper together. It was just beautiful uh, in that. I love uh, Justin's leadership and heart with that. So, man, I just, I, I love that. Good morning. How are y'all? My name is Kent Shepherd. I'm one of the elders here, and I'm excited to, uh, to bring the word. Uh, we finished Acts last week, and this week we are doing um, last, uh, some of the, uh, finishing up the biblical qualities or characteristics of a, bi- a healthy biblical church that we did not. And I, I am doing the area of biblical accountability. The, you know, biblical accountability and church discipline, that's the one everybody runs to, right? Uh, that's the one everybody enjoys, right? Uh, and just like anyone else, we have seen accountability do well, and we've seen some people do accountability not well. And um, so I'm very humbled in, in, in going through and preaching and teaching this this morning and um, um, because I, I want to uh, we, we want to see what the word of God says what this is about and we want to make sure that that is what we're doing because biblical accountability uh, done correctly is a beautiful restoring gorgeous time and the times I have seen that done correctly man it's amazing what the Lord does with that and we want to look at what the Word of God says. And um, I had a lot of help with this sermon from, uh, from, from our preaching team. And you'll hear their names throughout um, because, uh, uh, man, they really helped me out with this and uh, gave a lot of uh, godly and spiritual advice. And um, I, I love it. So um, I normally begin with scripture, but I kind of want to define biblical accountability. Uh, that way we can kind of go through it. So as, as I just said, our preaching team on Tuesdays in our conversation, Andrew wrote down on um, the following definition from our discussion um, as we were kind of all discussing different things of what we thought biblical accountability um, was. And he um, had the great mind of writing that down, and I'm so glad. Um, and, and this is uh, what he came up with within our conversation. Accountability is a core aspect of our Christian uh, discipleship. We are to walk alongside one another, uh, confess our sins, seek correction and encouragement, and remind each other of the gospel. I'll, I'll repeat that one more time. Accountability is a core aspect of our Christian uh, discipleship where we walk alongside one another, confess our sins, seek correction and encouragement, and remind each other of the gospel. 
thought that was beautifully written and said, and we're going to be looking at all those aspects this morning. Um, in an article that Tim shared with us by Keith Rose, um, the writer points out the following about accountability, and it's with social systems. Uh, he talks about biblical accountability altogether throughout the article, and I'm going to, later in the sermon, going to share a, a little bit more about that. But, but even our society recognizes the, uh, the purpose of accountability and he says this, he says, social systems in general can define in the terms of common, um, excuse me, in common sets, shared expectations for, uh, for behavior. And accountability then might be thought of as the adhesive that binds social systems together. Without the capacity to call individual agents to answer for their actions there is no basis for social order for shared experience or indeed for the maintenance of any type of social system i thought that was really cool with that phrase adhesive that but accountability is that adhesive that binds a social system together this uh we, we see the same point made by C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity. He alludes to something very similar as showing that, that, that even within society, we crave this accountability, this, you know, this, this law, this, you know, something that holds us to a standard um, um, to each other. And so we see that even, uh, even the world sees that there should be a standard of that but we know as christians that this accountability what is this as we just said accountability is that core aspect of our christian discipleship that we are going to walk alongside one another confess our sins seek correction and encouragement and remind each other of the gospel so when, so what does the word of god say about accountability so we're going to look through three scriptures um this morning and um we're gonna just kind of look at what how these scriptures um discuss accountability now there's multiple scriptures that discuss accountability to do them all we would really need an hour and uh and i just didn't think we needed to do that on family uh sunday <laughs> so uh and so i i'm afraid someone would go after me there so um but, uh, but we're going to look at three scriptures um, particularly this morning. So the first one we're going to look at is Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Hebrews chapter 3, 12 through 13. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. I just want to give everybody time to go find that. And I know it's also on the screen. It says, take care of brothers, lest there be any of you, any of you, an evil, unbelieved heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day alongside, alongside as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we, uh, 
Paul had a statement of this, and I loved it, and I wanted to read it and then just kind of um, exegete this passage a little bit. But Paul said, um, this comes from Paul Pettifer, the Bishop of Barbecue, um, the, the man who uh, uh, hashtag go Jesus, right? And it says, sin isn't just bad, it tricks us and leads our hearts away from loving God. He provides the church one another so we can see to it that we may get close enough to trust each other with our failures and encourage one another daily. I love, I love that statement there, that we're close enough to trust one another with our failures and encourage one another daily. How else will we achieve the mission to empire, empower and train disciple makers? Apologize for that. My Mississippian comes out when I say anything with power, the ER sound. So, you know, it, I, you know I, I, just, I, I, I just can't just say empower. It, it just, it's just saying it. <laughs> so, so these two verses draw on several key words that we see also in Psalms 95. So the author is warning us against that unbelieving of a hardened sinful heart that can cause us to fall away. So how do we prevent this hardened unbelieving heart that falls us away? And the truth of it is it goes back to um, what, um, what Jesus has defined many times for us, what are the greatest commandments? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and second, to love one another self. In other words, your relationship with God and your relationship with man, and he has formed with us this relationship within the church, and Paul points that out too in his, uh, in, uh, in his um, takeaway here. That the, uh, that, so the author gives us a defense to this danger. And it is one, well, it says what? Take care. Take care means uh, to encourage personal commitment. He's uh, encouraging this personal commitment. He says what? Take care, brothers. Take care, brothers and sisters. Take care um, to not, you know, basically not to forget Take care, brothers, the least of any of you of, of an evil, unbelieving heart leading you far away from the living God. He, he's saying, take care of this personal commitment that we have made with the Lord, that we, um, we have this connection with God, that we're to take care. That's one of our, a reminding of our relationship with the Lord, reminding of, uh, of the commitment in which we have, that we follow after him. He says to take care. The second is to what? Exhort one another. It means to, to walk together, to encourage uh, I liked how the author of the ESV study Bible um, said to call on the church to walk together in a mutual encouragement as long as it's, uh, as it's still called today. All right? That, that, that it is not too late, that we're to walk along each other in this encouragement and side by side, shoulder to shoulder together, that we're to do that. I love this because it's a reminder of us that we as a church 
We are a body. We're not separate. We're not different parts, but we are to come together as a church and walk together as a church, encourage one another. We're each given different gifts. We're each given different things, and we're not to live this life, especially as Christians. We're not to do this solo. We're not to have any long rangers in here, okay? We're not to do that by ourselves. We're to be encouraged and walk alone. Well, how do we, so how is all this um, how is all this to be? Well, first, let's look at that first thing that the author says as a defense to the, uh, to the danger. Encourage, that, that encourage that personal commitment. Take care. A reminder. See, he, here's the deal. That if we are believers, that we, we know that we have been saved. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the first part that we're going to talk about accountability is that there is this relationship as believers that we have this relationship with God. So this morning, if we're not there first, we can't do these other steps that we're going to talk about because, see, here's the deal. We cannot hold lost people accountable to the Scripture because they don't understand it. It's not a part of who they are, okay? And so, so many times that, that's what I've seen is that we're trying to hold lost people to a standard in which they're not going to take. They're, they are not with God, they're against God. So if you're claiming to be a believer, you are walking with God. So let's talk about what that is. So this morning, what the gospel is this. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have sinned. Every elder here has sinned. Every deacon here has sinned. We cannot be good enough. I've been saying lately, and we can't be bad enough, because I, I literally will have people come up to me and go, Kent, I have sinned so much, God will not take me. I have never met anyone sin that much, because why? Because it's not true. The gospel says what? The Bible tells us very clearly that he died for all our sins. The veil that separated man and God has been broken because of what Jesus Christ has done. So we cannot do this on our own. God knew that, and God sent his son to come onto this earth and live a life that neither one of us could live. He lived a, purpose, uh, a, a, a perfect life. He was tempted, but yet he did not sin. And on that, he took upon a death that, he, he, that was not his. It was, I deserve death, you deserve death, we have all deserved death. But Jesus did not, and he got on that cross obediently, and he died for your sins, my sins. And he took upon sin, who knew no sin, that we may know what? Righteousness. And we, because of that death, and then three days later, he rose again from the grave. We, were, we do not worship a God that is dead, but we worship a God that is alive. He defeated death once and for all, and now that curtain is broken, and we now can go before him. The separation between man and God has now been destroyed, uh, is now, the veil has been lifted and we can walk and we can have this relationship with the Lord because of what his son has done. 
It says that we confess with our, our, our mouth that he is the Lord of all, that he is, he is the Lord of it all. The Lord means what? It means that he is the ruler of everything in which we are, okay? And, and that's so important. Because I've met people in life say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to still rule this area. Well, no, here's the deal. When we become a follower, he owns it all. He owns your marriage. He owns your business. He, he owns your text messages. He owns everything in which we are. He, he is the Lord of everything in which we are and that, that we follow into him. And that is that step. And with that step, guys, we're to what? We're to get into a local body for a reason. We're to plug into that. Why? Because we're, it's not good for us to walk by ourselves. And we're to go and we're to encourage and we're to invest in each other. We, we're to be disciples that are what? Empowering and training and making disciples, right? And part of that process is what? Accountability. And it's... It's what, it, it, it's not what we sometimes grew up thinking. When I grew up thinking accountability was, and we're going to get this to a moment, is that people had to confess everything they did, and man, you had someone just judging everything that what you did. That's not accountability, okay? We've, we've missed the mark sometimes of that. We're going to talk about what accountability is here in a minute. Because accountability is love. And there's got to be a relationship that is there first with the Lord and then um, we're going to talk about with man. So the second verse I want us to look at as we, as we talk through is, um, is Proverbs 10, 17. And it says this, whoever heeds instructions uh, is on the path, of, uh, path to life and that he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Now, I, I got the basis of this outline. It's not word for word, but I got the basis of this outline from uh, the preacher's Hummer, uh, 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 Nudic's commentary and um, some phrases I will say that came from there as well. So just letting you know. And then, um, so one, two things we see in here that man, man must be, Man must be a doer of the word and not hearers only. It's not enough to just hear it, okay? It, 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 when we're talking about instructions of the word, it's not enough to just hear the word, receive it, and do nothing with it, okay? And he's not talking about that. He's not just saying, uh, to, uh, you know, hear the word, uh, and, but it, it's saying heed here, which means to, uh, to have some action with it. The Word of God must not only be heard, have we seen James, not to just be hearers, but also doers, and it, it must be a part of who we are. And, um, uh, and I, I liked what the commentator said, the commandments of God are not supposed to only be received, but must be kept. We see in John thirteen seventeen, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them, okay? We see this. That we, uh, that we understand that this is a part of who we are. We have a lot of people who say, man, I believe, and they, they, they talk a great game, but there's no action. And he's saying those, we, we need to be heeding to those instructions, heeding to, uh, the path, uh, um, to that that leads to the path of life. And part of this 
is what? That these type of men will encourage others to submit that what is uh, by, by which that the that they're going to encourage others to also submit to what they consider is the right path, what they consider is the path of the Lord, that these others who are following these instructions. I like what the commentator mentioned is that there's not a someone who is not in a professional field who does not submit to the disciplines or to the instructions of that field and that's how they become an expert in that field and why because that's that that's that field and so so in that professional field they become experts and they can lead others to the right path to be successful in that field and his point with that is as we we know the word of god and we're supposed to hear this and do this and we're supposed to heed to these instructions and so as believers and as disciple makers that we also were we have been given instructions and we're to live this and not to do it uh and not to just hear it but we're supposed to live it out and do these words and and apply this into our lives The second part, uh, well, also Adam Clark says this, the truly religious man accumulates knowledge that may be the better known, uh, that he may better know how to live to God, and he does, and, he do, and to do the uh, most good among men. Let me rephrase that, sorry, I stumbled with that. The truly religious man accumulates knowledge that he may... Uh, that he may the better known how to live to God and do the most good among men. But we need to understand it's more than just accumulating knowledge, okay? Um, we, it, it's also applying that knowledge. The second part of this is man's rejection to instruction can cause others to astray. Um, we see here in Proverbs on uh, 10:17, um, just like most proverbs, there's a uh, there's a second part, and the commentary from the preacher Homer Lewis, he he uh, he uh, appeals to this too that he may not wander from the path himself, but he can cause other men to do the same. We often hear, and this comes straight from the commentary. We often hear it said of the godless man of one who refuses the repute or refuses the Lord that he is he he has no enemy but his own I love what this commentator says this can't be it is truly said that nothing leaves us holy as it is uh, as found us so every man we meet everything that we do we have influence upon so if we're going down a bad path, it could lead others and show uh, and be others uh, and to lead others down that same, um, that same path. So every man, he also says in that same thing, every man makes every man with whom he comes in contact better or worse, and every good man draws others into that path of life. So we want to, how do we want to draw men around us? We want to draw them into the word and to what the word says. Last scripture I, I want to read, and I, I know time, 
is, is drawing near here. So that's going to be uh, 2 Samuel 12, and I'm just going to read 1 through 15. Um, this is where Nathan rebukes David, because I want us to see what account, biblical accountability looks like in a life action um, scenario. We see Jesus do this. We see Paul do this with uh, um, Peter and Barnabas and Galatians. But I really love how this, this Old Testament uh, in 2 Samuel in the Old Testament really captures this. So if you'll turn with me, 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 15. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said to him, There was two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little uh, ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him, um, with his children, and it, and it used to eat uh, of his morsels and drink from his cup and lie in his arms and it was like a daughter to him now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him but he took to the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him then david his anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, this man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because, uh, because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus the Lord says, The God of Israel, I appointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hands of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And in this were, were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you... Despise the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Amorites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did, did it secretly, but I will do these things before all of Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord 
also has pulled away your sin, and you shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have alternately scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. Biblical accountability. I'm going to look at three points, but as I go over these points, please understand that everything in which I'm going to say is in the atmosphere of love, that we we do these things in a loving way. That love, uh, that, that, that when we're holding people accountable, it never should come across judgmental and never should have come across that we are better because we've already talked about that right we've all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God I stand for you in preaching not because I am better or I got this man I come before you very humble say man there the only reason I can do what I do is because of what the Lord has done for me period the only good that comes from me comes from the Lord and so as we look through these things, we understand that all this is encompassed with this idea of love. So let me look at these three things very quickly. The first point is relational. We see in, first, in, in verse 1, first thing, what happens is that, that the Lord spoke to Nathan and what? And Nathan went to David. There was already a relationship there. So we see two things of relational. We see a relationship with God, and we see a relationship with that person. I thought, uh, again, in that article I mentioned by Keith Rose, he gives some great examples in this article. And, and so, so I'm not going to read every part or everything, but uh, I thought some of the examples were really um, great. But one of the things that we need to understand when we're talking about um, um, biblical accountability or, or giving an account, it, it's never to be in personal or a detached way. It's never to be to a stranger. It's never, it, 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 there's a relationship that needs to be with that person. Okay? So there needs to be a relationship with that person and who. And who they are. We're, we're not talking about just like your business contacts or, you know, or, or different things like that. But, but when we see biblical accountability, they're always personal. And one of the uh, points that he makes that I thought was really good, as we see in Romans 14, 12, each person will give an account of himself to God. So the account is personal and it's given in the context of a relationship with God, whether the relationship is good or bad, we are given an account. So that first thing, when we, in accountability, there's this accountability with the Lord. And so we see that with Nathan, right? We see that God called Nathan and said, this is going on. And we see that there's this relationship with the Lord. And, 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 but also there's this account we have personally with God. There's this biblical account. And, and understand that biblical accountability doesn't mean that we're, we're sharing every dark, deep sin. But we are to give an account and especially uh, confessing before the Lord, but also confessing before man. 
We, we see this in Matthew 18, 15. If your brother has sinned against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Okay, we see that there needs to be, uh, if there's a problem, that we go and confess it. We live sometimes that we don't want to make people mad or do things, but instead what happens is we, we cause a wedge between those relationships that should not be happening. And so we, we go and we discuss these things. And um, the, uh, also in the article, uh, it talks about accountability starts by admitting the fault to the people that has affected by our sins and and then we, we we seek to restore those relationships okay and so he, uh, he gives some great biblical guidelines um, of, uh, of that we see this in scripture one is in Titus 2 it, it just encourages us if you ever have time to read that chapter I have older and, and, and how the older men you know in the younger men that they learn and they, they, they hold each other accountable. Um, there's experience and wisdom within that. Older women, younger women, and we see that. We also see a great example in, in, Gal- in Galatians 2, 11 through 14 is a great one about accountability among peers. And when Paul um, calls upon the hypocrisy of Peter and Barnabas because they would not... Um, eat with the Gentiles and they start eating with the Jews and he holds them accountable and it's a beautiful part uh, when you read that story of how that goes we also see in James uh, chapter 3 verse 1 that it speaks about accountability for those in leadership positions as well we see that these things and again that comes from the article by Keith Rose uh, these are great guidelines that we see about relationship, that we have a relationship with God that also goes on to our relationship with man, that we're held accountable with, with the Lord, but we're also to hold each other accountable to each other as well. And if we do see a brother stumble and fall, we're to come beside him and walk beside him um, together with that. We're not to just point it out and just walk away we're not to be detached. We're to hold his hand and we walk beside each other. The discipleship to me sometimes is, uh, you know, uh, is like when I was teaching my boys to walk. Sometimes it was really easy and sometimes I had to pull a little weight on it. But together, they, they begin to walk really clear and did not need me anymore. And that's what I want. You know, and so when we're investing into people, we want to make it sound really we, we, we want to make it sound easy, but look, true discipleship, man, it, it's gonna, it, it gets messy because lives are messy, and we get in there, and we're, we're going to be working together, and it doesn't mean that we point something and walk away. Man, we, 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 there could be a sin, and man, we're going to have to work through it. There's certain sins that we're going to have to work through. It's not, oh, we reveal it and it's over and overnight. Sometimes, man, it takes, you, it takes time. And how does that happen? Well, it happens with a relationship. Number two, instructional. We see this revealed in verses 1, one, one through 7. We see that, that um, we've already looked this morning at Proverbs, that the Word of God is more than informational. We, we are not just presenting information and walking away, as I just said, but we're preven- um, what, but this instructions here, 
We, we don't want to, we, we want to give instructions, not just information. We, he, he is presenting the truth out. He is going to be talking to him uh, biblically with biblical truth here, but we're to be instructional. Uh, uh, you know, this is what, you know, this is how the Bible says how we deal with this. This is, we, we begin to, to walk them through these things. We, we may need to even connect them with someone with another experience with that. They might be dealing with something I might not dealt with before, but I know another godly man who has dealt with that, and man, I may need to connect them to walk through this. Lastly is scriptural. That scriptural is transformational. We need to remember that. Kent's opinion is not transformational. Kent's opinion is Kent's opinion. Kent's words are Kent's words. But the word of God can transform people, okay? Uh, uh, the, the word of God makes things that, were, that seem impossible possible. And it's through that, that, that when we are talking to people and we're um, discussing with them about accountability and how to begin to do that, we do everything in which we do should have nothing but Scripture, and Scripture should be the base of how we talk. It shouldn't be, this is what I think. It should say, just like Nathan shows, thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. We see David's reproach. David's approach is, man, I have sinned against God. I have seen people have that approach, and sometimes they don't have that approach. But, but the point is, we're not really looking at David in this. We're looking at Nathan. It's Nathan who followed these things. He had a relationship with the Lord. He had a relationship with the man, in this case, David. He was instructional, and he was scriptural. And these are some basic things of how, when we do accountability, we're never to be lording over people. We're never to be that judgmental heart. But we are to walk beside with them step by step. So this morning, as we have talked about accountability, one of the things that we're also going to do um, is have the Lord's Supper together. And what, what a beautiful thing when we're talking about accountability. One of those things that we do with the Lord's Supper is to have self-evaluation so as the deacons are coming forward and they're passing out the plates the bible tells us in first corinthians to have a time a self-evaluation to see if there's any sins that you need to confess before the lord we see in romans uh, as we just read in romans 14 that we're held accountable to that so uh, we want to ask you to just come before god and pray before him and confess your sins before him clear you know, uh, it just have that self-evaluation time. We're going to ask you to do that right now. So as these men pass out, um, they're going to be passing this out right now. And after some time of silence, I'll pray over us. And then we will uh, begin the Lord's Supper together. So you men can go ahead.